If you look for it, every day has cause for celebration. Celebrate a friend for their promotion baby wedding life thing. Celebrate yourself for keeping the couch warm. It's no easy feat, especially if it's a big couch. Or maybe you just want to celebrate living in 2023 where you can get beer, wine, and spirits delivered from Drizzly in under 60 minutes without leaving said couch. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com and get your favorite drinks delivered today. Hello, and welcome to Tunes and Tumblr's Century Club by Atwood Magazine, your weekly shot of what's new in music. Be sure to give both Atwood and Tunes and Tumblr's a like, subscribe, share, and everything on all your platforms, and tell your friends about us. It's a better way for us to meet people than the dark abyss of Bumble BFF. I don't even know what that means. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh. That's a <laughs> lot of shade at transplants. The, the only thing, the, yeah, the only thing worse than like using than having to use like a dating app is having to use it for friends. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god, I used it only once. But anyway, I should <laughs> I used tell it only once for friends. Jesus. <laughs> I'm your host Anthony, and if your local TJ Maxx is any indication, it's Christmas time once again. Pack up your Thanksgiving leftovers, put on your ugliest sweater, and submit to our dark overlord Mariah Carey. Please get into the spirit of the season responsibly. It wouldn't be Century Club without a special musical guest. Toronto jangle pop duo Ducks Limited will be joining us at the tail end of the show to discuss their debut album for Car Park Records, Modern Fiction, and feature their song Under the Rolling Moon. If Guster Alves and the Gin Blossoms have graced your basement house party playlist, this is the interview for you. Be sure to stick around. Of course, we all know that drinking alone is a sad, sad business, so I found a couple of guys playing pogs in the McDonald's parking lot out back and asked them to join me on the air. And they are Ryan, your music connoisseur, and Ice Thief from the McDonald's uh, soft drink machine. <laughs> and Pedro, your mixologist. What the fuck? You realize you that's know, all society is going to be in like 35 years, right? It's just going to be a bunch of people trying to steal ice in a McDonald's, like from a McDonald's, and robots <laughs> and robots chasing them around. That's the what? future. You heard it here. Oh man. <laughs> You know, I, I don't know what I was thinking when I wrote this intro because, like, I don't even know the last time I saw a pog in person. Do you guys? In person. <laughs> Not at all. In the flesh. In the flesh. <laughs> I think there's probably one logged in uh, the old Windstar van um, <laughs> that just has got Lucas and a dirt from the handball oh courts on God, it. Oh, my God, Lucas. I need okay. I'm making a note of that. I need to make a drink at some point that's rimmed with Lucas. <laughs> They're also in that same seat cushion. There are some homies lodged in there as well. Remember those? <laughs> Do I remember those? Yeah. <laughs> Zoomers have no idea what we're talking about right now. Kids but, these days, they don't know. <laughs> Kids these days will never see my pod collection. <laughs> Well, I think I think we're still taking a break from the news desk since we don't need any more stress during the holidays. Instead, I'd like to jump back into our new book club segment, Bands and Bookmarks. Ryan, what are we reading today? We're going to yeah, we're going to take a break from the doom scrolling, the doom and gloomin. And um these are we're going to take a few more segments from the Brainwashing Miss Teen Nosebleed USA um, collection. These are one-sentence album reviews done by Ryan Werner, who's an incredible writer, total visionary. Um, you can find him at at yeah Werner, Y-E-A-H-W-E-R-N-E-R, and order the new edition of the scene. Um, really incredible stuff. And it's out on Passenger Side Books. Uh, without further ado, I'd like to share a couple of these reviews just because they are just so good and sum it up. Um, maybe so good you'd... you'd maybe don't need to hear the album <laughs> or maybe you do maybe this will hopefully they'll intrigue you to listen because these are some of my favorite albums let's start off with one from chris bell i am the cosmos 1992 by way of the mid 70s trying to get the sand out of your heart after a long day at the beach <laughs> i think that's pretty accurate <laughs> oh my god the man from big star <laughs> so 
as you're saying these, I'm reminded of going to like an indie bookstore and you know how they have like the uh, the bookend where it could be like staff picks with like why they picked it. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see this for record stores and have Ryan Werner write his little things on the bottom of the record so that I <laughs> I know if, if I want to buy it. I think that would be great. Oh, man. They'd move so many more records, honestly. So let's hear one. Um, from, this is for New Order, Power, Corruption, and Lies. You throw flowers instead of money on the stage when your favorite stripper fails her botany exam. <laughs> what? <laughs> Okay, first of all, I have uh, enough of a relationship with this stripper that she has confided in me that she failed the botany exam, and I have decided to just be super petty about it and throw her p- and throw her flowers. There's there are layers to this. Power, also the fact that you have, lies. the fact that you have a favorite one speaks to you, <laughs> <laughs> to who you are as a human. Look. Strip clubs have regulars. Undoubt- not- Undoubtedly. <laughs> Ones that know the bouncer by name and all of the girls, and only one of them has a restraining order against him. I never said it was bad. I said it speaks a lot to you as a person to have a favorite stripper. <laughs> <laughs> well, not me, whoever this guy Andrew, is. Andrew, sorry, Andrew. Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think she really liked you, Anthony. Um <laughs> So let's let's do one now for R.E.M.'s Murmur from 1983. The guy who used to fake a British accent freshman year is way cooler than the abstract of his dissertation about who the fuck knows would lead you to believe. (laughs) Not his laugh laugh out loud, but uh, uh, I like this one. I think it leads into our guest somewhat nicely. Um, And then last one we'll do is of Porcupine Tree. Always love that band name. Uh, and this is their for their album Moon Loop. You pay too much for a jacket at a thrift store that looks like the kind the sixth the doctor wore, and then hallucinate yourself walking up and down the stairs at the same time when you wear it to bed and overheat. Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. <laughs> there you have you must it. I really folks. like that jacket. <laughs> these really We've capture the had... essence of these albums, I think, though. I <laughs> I'm telling you, I was going to say we've all had thrift regret at one point or another. I'm telling you, these you are these so are great excited. moods. <laughs> yeah, they really are. And then you you get home and you realize that you have no place in your apartment for a bust of Dolly Parton wearing sunglasses, but it just looked like such a great idea at the time. <laughs> oh, that goes that goes everywhere. <laughs> how many how many you women can't find have a the... place for that in your apartment? That's unfucking you. That is your problem. <laughs> That was a very hostile, hostile response. Uh-uh, uh, not having many... it. No, no one will say that Dolly Parton can't be can't be placed anywhere. <laughs> how about how many women do you think have gotten the Lolita sunglasses and been like, I can't wear those? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> they probably have to be told you can't wear those. <laughs> Society has to step in. <laughs> Someone, yeah. hopefully, they have a friend. <laughs> Is it the same friend that just talks them down from witch hats? I fu- well, I mean, you need that person in your life. If you don't have that person in your life, you don't have any real friends. Just letting you know. Listen, Jenny, there can only be one Stevie Nicks in our friend group, and it is already me. <laughs> I don't, I don't know where we're going with this, but who wants to get to the fucking episode? Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. So Ryan, moving on from these delicious reviews, what? do we have on the tape deck today we're gonna uh we're gonna spin the tape deck we're gonna spin the hard drive and we're gonna listen to bad life the latest single from omar apollo featuring the great caliuchis out now on warner records amazing we've covered omar apollo before when he was featured on that joji track mm-hmm. um, i hopes and yes on our one of our very first century clubs but now he is the main feature, and I'm really excited about this. This is such a great song. Mm-hmm. Chill R&B vibes. Uh, something that we need for the holidays when the yelling starts ramping up. Um, but <laughs> Is your family okay? <laughs> <The> yelling? <laughs> Look, my family 
has fled California and it's just going to be me alone for Thanksgiving and, and Christmas. So, I'm going to do that again. That sounds because like it's supposed heaven. To be past Thanksgiving. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Look, my family has fled California and I'm fending for myself this holiday season. And I think that's the best form of self-care. That sounds fantastic. But for those of us, for those of us who are surrounded by racist uncles, I think we also need a shot to, to help mellow us out a little bit. Pedro, what have you got there? Oh, there's nothing better for a racist uncle than having them drink tequilas there. Um, <laughs> so you know me, I love me some some Latinx representation on this show. And so featuring Omar Apollo and Caliuchis is just I, great. And I, oh, I fucking love this song. It's so good. It's like, uh, it's so many things I love. Um, and so I kind of wanted to to make a shot that represents a little of, of each artist, um, at least as far as uh, who they are. Um, uh, as far as their heritage, so Omar Apollo is a Mexican American artist, uh, insanely talented, and he's only like what, like twenty three? Crazy, absolutely crazy that he can do what he can do. Um, so obviously started off with tequila and some lime and salt, um, and then Caliuchis comes into this track, and she is just like, I mean, the song's already beautiful, and she just comes in like this, I don't know, like there's this, this, this tropical breeze, and she just her the sweetness of her voice just adds so much more to this track than, than was already there. And it's just this perfect pairing. Um, and I think they've worked together before. So they just, you know, they just keep, they just keep fucking it up whenever they work together. Um, <laughs> so I kind of wanted to throw in some, um, more tropical notes into the shot. So my favorite, I threw in some guava. Um, but I also found some like banana nectar, um, and threw that in with this to give it just like a lot of, just a really good, sweet, 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 sweet compliment to the tequila and the lime. And, um, I rimmed, the edge with some salt because what better to there's no better way to drown your sorrows than with just like you know a shot of tequila but we might as well make it a little more enjoyable um mm. so this is an omar and cali and uh this is for bad life nice and this shot we should say will fuck up your life oh <laughs> well you're probably taking the shot at a pretty low point so i can't imagine it can make things much worse <laughs> well I think we all have that alcohol that just like turns us into like Mr. Hyde. And I think for me, that is tequila. So I might at my own Christmas dinner with myself, I might sub some, uh, some mezcal because I am, I am a spicy bitch. But other than that, I'm really excited for this guys. Cheers. 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 And I'm sorry for having to bring up mezcal. Like, I, like oh, I'm man. you, you, that's like some transplant shit is, talking about how much you like mezcal uh, is it you're that you're that guy you're that guy who's like who's like have you you like whiskey but have you had scotch oh that's you boo. that's you oh i hate <laughs> myself <laughs> wait what, why is this i don't know this about mezcal is it basically just an obnoxious is it the well actually of alcohols is that what i'm hearing it depends on who you're talking to <laughs> it's like yeah. it's like scotch isn't bad it's people who it's the people who make me not like it <laughs> <laughs> Are there unpretentious Scotch drinkers? Yes, I'm, I'm, they just I'm, won't I'm, ever tell I'm you. I'm right here. <laughs> they, they just won't ever tell you when you're dr they're drinking Scotch. Exactly. I do feel like but, Mescal is definitely like there's one called Silencio that I like quite a bit, or that, that I've had. Really but I do feel like it is a little bit like the city of Los Angeles is holding like a like a ladle of Mescal and making like airplane noises around my mouth, you know, <laughs> trying to feed it to me. That is absolutely what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's funny. Like very recently, Trader Joe's unveiled a line of mezcals. I mean, like they have like the two. They always have two of something in their liquor cabinet or shelf, whatever. But I like their mezcal fucks. <laughs> it, the <laughs> the the bottle is also too big to put on a shelf. Like it is too tall. It is. It makes me feel like a, a wee little boy holding like my bottle. Um, you gotta make it a centerpiece on your table kind of yeah but it's good go to trader joe's fuck it up but let's talk about omar we're finally talking about him live and in the flesh and pedro i think that you have probably been the longest fan of his when did you first come across him um it was sort of when i when i first got my like spotify premium account you know um he he came across one of my discovery playlists you know, I was thinking about this the other day. You mentioned your your Spotify premium account. I remember having to pitch you the idea of a streaming service like three years ago. And 
Like, I remember in response, you're like, no, I like sitting down and going through the list of songs that I've heard and downloading them one by one. I have to say that's still true. Like, I I have a much harder time now remembering names of songs and exactly who sings them. I've definitely lost something in it. It's convenient as hell and I love it, but I don't connect with the music in the same way as I used to, which um, is kind of unfortunate to me. Streaming music when- has left you adrift. It's, it's that is. Did you come up hey, with that? I think I that. <laughs> you come up with I that read, shit? <laughs> no, that that was somewhere. I think some that's been said by somebody in the last decade. But that's it's really in good. my brain because I thought it really. Uh, um, yeah, it resonated with me. It's true. Like, yeah, there's 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 something to that. I think the first song I heard from him was uh, "Ignorin'" off of um, his album "Stereo" from like 2018. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just since then, I was like, this is. I don't know, he just struck me as an interesting artist. Also, like, I wasn't seeing a whole lot of, you know, Mexican-American artists sort of in the more, like, indie mainstream uh, music world. It was, you know, any Mexican-American music I was listening to is usually very geared toward um, a certain genre of music, more, like, traditional. Um, but this was this was different. I just, I, yeah, ever since then, he just sort of caught my eye. And so just sort of kept an eye, have kept an eye on him since. I'm a really big fan of the way that he seems to bridge genres, but kind of keeps like a foot firmly planted in R&B. I mean, you've mm-hmm. got like bilingual, fu- like he's got this bilingual fusion of, of funk, pop, electronic. Yeah. Uh, you got your acoustic songs, psychedelic folk songs. It's something for everybody. But again, he's a Zoomer and this is what Zoomers do. This is the, this is the tunes and tumblers. Zoomers have broken down all genre boundaries. Part of the show. Well, thing is, that I, thing yeah. is, like even just like not even necessarily just the fact that he's a zoomer. Like when I hear when I hear his music, like I get, I mean, I I, I feel like I can get sort of a, uh, an idea of what his upbringing may have been, especially centered around music, just because it feels very similar to possible probably what mine was. Like uh, ever since I was a kid, like my parents and my whole family, like they have, I've, I've been constantly listening to like, like genre upon genre of music. There was never just one thing we were listening to. It was all kinds of stuff from, you know, all the different decades from, you know, the 1920s from what my grandparents used to listen to, to like whatever was current. And so like, it's a very eclectic upbringing as far as music. And when I hear his music, I feel like he probably had a similar experience coming up. Mm Mm-hmm. Very different from mine, where my musical upbringing was country music in the Forrest Gump soundtrack <laughs> until I was like 10 years old, or maybe even 11. Savage Garden was in there somewhere, but that's it. I've been having to play catch up for two decades. You must Depressing. have loved America as a kid. <laughs> oh, yeah. An eagle would scream and a tear would come to my eye. <laughs> <laughs> This song in particular, I I love not just the way that it sounds. I love what he's dealing with in it. Um, He said that bad life represents putting energy into a relationship and not getting anything in return and wanting that person to have a bad life. Now, I'm going to to show my, uh, my, my grad school hand again and just be like, this is what a contextual therapist would call destructive entitlement. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is basically where a person feels like they need justice for something no one has control over, and that leads to projection and frustration. So, like, he can't feel better about, like, the relationship, so he just needs the other person to feel bad for him. And I I see this a lot in pop music right now. Nessa Barrett has a great song called I Hope You're Miserable Until You're Dead. Um Do you think maybe there's a better way to handle this? (laughs) I think it sort of depends from situation to situation, right? Like. Some people do get treated badly, like, and maybe they do deserve some form of justice. But um, I also think it just sort of depends on maybe where you are in life um, maturity-wise, right? Like, maybe you don't learn for a while that you can leave a relationship like that and just, like, let it go. Sometimes you you need, you feel like you need that, that mm-hmm. revenge in a way. And it, and it, you know, that's where, you know, it leads to, like, the the memes and stuff about just like talking shit about your ex and like all that stuff. And like, you can do that. And so, and, but like, I think you learn over time, it doesn't necessarily make you feel any better, but it doesn't mean that you won't have those feelings at some point. Right. 
you got that feeling like, uh, like I really hate you right now and I want bad things for you. I think we should There's... we should be able to get a Zoom, a virtual Zoom. Every citizen, this is my platform, every citizen should be entitled to a group virtual Zoom or Microsoft Teams meeting where um, you can, <laughs> it's an airing of the grievances to all your exes and they have to be oh there God. and they're all muted. I think we're all, wow. we're all entitled to that. It's like jury duty. You're going to get a, a a thing in the mail saying you have been summoned to this Zoom where grievances against you will be aired. It's the festivists for the rest of us who have been wronged by our exes. Yeah. No, I'm yeah. Jo- I'm joking. We're not entitled to that. No one, no one is. But it is good yeah. to air grievances, um, and have a therapist by which by way of uh, doing so. Yeah. Wouldn't you agree, Anthony? Well, I'm hoping so, since the, those are my future clientele you're talking to. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, I think like there's there's like a real power in understanding that the way that you feel is always okay. Like I think that, especially Catholicism, where I, I grew up, there's a lot of guilt associated into the way that you are supposed to think about things. Mm-hmm. And But at the end of the day, you can't control your thoughts. You can't control your feelings, not in a direct way. It's always the second thought that you can control or the, the action. Mm-hmm. It's like, I feel this right now and I feel it because of this. Okay, what are you going to do with it? Right. You can hope that your, uh, your ex has a bad life, but you're not going to go out there and just like be destructive if it do, if it's not warranted, I mean, I'm not talking about like situations where somebody's a predator. Then, like, by all means, deplatform them. Right, right, right. Yeah, but I think also like, hopefully, you get to a point where you're not hoping for that anymore, because then that just means that person still has power over you, no matter what. That's a really good point. Like, you, it, it. I understand right at the beginning the feeling of like, oh, you suck, and I just want, <laughs> and I want you to step on a fucking Lego tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like, I get that, but. If you want a Lego, but if you're, but if you're like holding on to that, like you've gotten nowhere. I hope you find a Lego head in your corn. <laughs> oh my God. I hope, that is... I hope you find a kneecap in your, like be in your refried beans. I hope you find a chicken's kneecap in your refried beans. Oh. Is that a thing? Have you guys oh. never? Then you no. then you've never had authentic refried beans. <laughs> That's how you know that shit's real when you find that kneecap and it is the grossest feeling. I need. So I'm not gonna find that in a in a can of goya, right? No, well, hopefully not. I if would you need... did, if you did, I'd be like, hey, that's authentic as fuck. <laughs> Pedro, will you accompany me every time I eat refried beans with like a monocle and go, yep, that's it. <laughs> There's a great, uh, this reminds me of an old, I, I love songs like these that are, well, this one's, I feel like a little sadder and a little heavier, but I mean, these songs about wishing someone ill will reminds me, I was just, um, this is a very different genre and feel, but the Everly brothers have a song called I'm not angry. And, um, <laughs> and it's just a list of, I hope these things, bad things happen to you. Hope your brand new dress gets torn. Um, I hope your phone will never ring or your canary sing. I love the canary <laughs> reference just immediately dates it. Um, I hope your mail fails to reach you. I hope your wristwatch goes berserk, which is a favorite one. But then the the refrain is, I'm not angry, I'm just sad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's due for some kind of, uh, that captures a really real sentiment. Absolutely. Um, so... Well, it's like, it's like what Anthony said, right? You have like control over the second thought. So it's like you go, you react like that. And then you're like, you know, this, I'm, I actually don't hate you. This just sucks. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think putting it in music is probably a sign of maturity too. Like he took it and he made it art. Yeah. He made it separate from himself. Yeah. That's a, it's a, a great way to let things go. Yeah. We've talked to many artists on the show who have said that exact thing. Like, you know, I'm I'm not gonna go and wreck his car, but I am gonna write a song about wrecking his car. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm lemonading, Kimmy. Uh, yeah, I want to I want to bring it back to what you were saying earlier about his influences because, um, Apollo Dut like growing up, he listened to like Brandy, Music Soul Child, Prince, Stevie Wonder, and like yeah, these were these were big artists, but they were also like if we're going to put a uh 
like like a, a a circle around all of them. They're all vulnerable storytellers, and I think that that definitely shows in his body of work. Mm-hmm. And also, like that guy, that kid can play the guitar. Oh yeah. Well, and then he's like also really versatile in the way that he like performs. I mean, he's a singer, but also I think it was, I think in High Hopes he he more he's more like spoken word, more rap than anything like he's yeah he's he's not afraid to explore um different ways of delivering uh his music which is which is pretty fucking cool we have a new album by him coming out very soon and judging from just like the breadth of his work i don't personally know what to expect but i will say that like more good collabs like this are certainly coming if you were to pick anyone for Omar to collaborate with on a song for this album, who would you pick? Ooh. That's a good question. Hmm. Pablo Vitar. Ooh, that's a good one. I was going to say Boy Pablo. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes, Boy Pablo. Boy Pablo, please come on the show. Uh, I'm surprised neither of you said Remy Wolf personally that'd be fucking dope oh too. that'd be interesting yeah i mean yeah i i, I think he I, I feel like the people he collaborates with he the, he knows that they'll play well off each other and it's gonna work and he's so versatile like it's gonna sound fucking good the thing is i look at the list of collaborators that he has and none of them are unexpected like i didn't go like oh like this doesn't make sense but i always look at it and go like oh yeah that fucks mm-hmm. like you know before you put it on that what he made fucks. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a that's a that's a good point for us to transition, gents. What do you think? <laughs> fucks to ducks. Fucks, yes. <laughs> You'll see what Pedro means in just a second, dear listener. Let's head on over to our musical guest. It's time to meet today's musical guest. I'm actually very excited about this one. We've been in talks with this band for what seems like eons now, and we finally lassoed one of them and dragged them into the virtual studio. They are a jangle pop duo from Toronto that infused their sound with simple charms, just like the underrated 80s bands that inspired them. They signed with Car Park Records this year, on which they re-released their debut EP, Get Bleak, and later dropped their sleek, polished, full-length Modern Fiction, the topic of today's episode. They've been praised by the likes of Pitchfork, the AV Club, and NME, and proved through their music that all you need to realize great things is a good friend. Tunes and Tumblers fam, please welcome Tom McGreevy of Ducks Limited to the pod. All right. Hello. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for being here. I have been listening to this record, I feel like, on a loop since your publicist gave it to us, and I'm just, I'm so stoked that you're here to talk about it. Thanks. Yeah, glad you're enjoying it. And listeners, you'll get to hear for yourself this, uh, this, what this album sounds like at the end of the episode. But for those of you who don't know, this is like such a callback to like the late 80s, early 90s, kind of first surge of alternative rock. I'm hearing like some gin blossoms. I'm hearing some REM. Like I'm hearing like all the good stuff that you would play in a basement party with like your friends at the college party. So uh, I- I'm really excited to get into it. Uh, but, you know, this is Tunes and Tumblers. Like, if we are listening to Ducks Limited, if we are, uh, if we have modern fiction on the stereo, wh- what are we kicking back to? Like, what what are we drinking with this, gents? If it were me, first of all, I'm <laughs> obsessed with ducks. I love ducks. So I already assumed that your music would be great just based off your name. Um, but if it were me... Uh, I mean, I just love the title of the song. I love the song itself, but the title of the song, like "Under the Rolling Moon," it just feels like feels like a very fall-related title to me. And so, I kind of wanted to go with something maybe that like something that's maybe harvested around this time of year. Um, I would drink something kind of kind of kind of fancy, a little elegant. I drink it like you know, up in a martini glass, probably some gin and some like pear liqueur or like spiced pear brandy mm. would go really good with it. And just like some bitters with like a lemon peel, really simple, but like aromatic and really like impactful, really strong. I wasn't even going to get that deep. As soon as you said under the rolling moon, I'm like, oh, we're going to have a blue moon. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's hey, where, that's, that's where, what you're if that's what you're into. That's where my creativity stopped. <laughs> 
Listening to your own music, Tom, or at least writing it, what is the kind of olfactory feel for you? Like, what would you like to drink to your own music? That's an interesting question. I yeah, it's it's funny. I feel like like I I I used to be like I I used to bartend. So I used to like have like like thought more thoughts about this. I feel like it's like it's a similar thing for me in that like um like I I was an English major in college, which is probably not surprising if you've heard the record. Um but uh like it's like I I I you know spent like 4 years in school like reading uh reading the classics and then uh, since I stopped, like, since I got out of college, I basically, like, only read stupid shit. Like, just, like, like science fiction and, like, like airport detective novels and things like that. Um, and oh, I shit. feel like, like, it's a similar thing with my, my like, the, the way I, like, uh, I think about drinks. It's, like, I, I used to be all about it and really, really intense about it. And now it's, like, I just drink a lot of, like, Miller Lite. It's very disappointing. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you don't want to have to work that hard. Yeah, you know, just like I, like I still have interest in other stuff and like, you know, but it's uh, my go to's have switched around a little bit. Um, so it's hard for me. It's hard for me to separate uh, it, I guess, in that sense, in the context of this conversation from what we were drinking when we made it, which was mostly Miller Lite. <laughs> <laughs> See, my blue moon wasn't that far off, Pedro. Yeah, no, you were good. <laughs> if anyone wants to cheat a little bit and still have a good cocktail. I don't know if they have Cutwater up there in uh, Canada, Tom, mm. but Cutwater has canned cocktails now that are much better than you would think they are. And they have like margaritas. They have Mai the Paloma, Tais. The Paloma is delicious. The Paloma is amazing. I really like the Paloma. All you need to do is pour it into a glass with some crushed mm-hmm. ice and give it a little umbrella and be like, mm-hmm. hey, I made this for you. They're based in San Diego, so like Petco Park serves all their stuff. Oh, damn. So the last time I was there for a show, it was just all like cut water. I love it. The liquor store at the end of my block has it. So that's where I get it. I read this great interview with Bernard Sumner of New Order, and I got I got some pretty strong New Order vibes on a number of these tracks, especially the opener um, on the from the Power Corruption Lies album. And um, he said in this interview that he only used to drink Pernau and orange juice. <laughs> oh shit um, for like 15 years he only drank per now and now he drinks wine so he sort of I feel like had a shift <laughs> like the opposite shift of you but I feel like that that kind of feels right for this um, that feels like a good a good drink for this one that's what I would do um, also thought of the band Orange Juice <laughs> and listening to this a little bit as well and some of that Scottish uh, kind of new wave, uh, new wave sound. Yeah, they they were one of my first kind of real favorites. I think uh, Orange Juice, like when that was kind of like my introduction to this kind of music, like jangle pop and like this world and postcard records and all that kind of thing. Um, yeah, they're definitely a big one for me. Um, I'd be very curious to know what Edwin Collins drinks. Actually, well, I probably imagine he probably doesn't anymore. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that oh man, if we had a if we had a researcher right now we have them this is drew is usually the one panel drew is usually the one googling things and then waving and like holding up a cue card of what the answer is (laughs) (laughs) love some mid-podcast research i like that that that's interesting to know about orange juice but i love out of all the things to specifically name i love that in one of your songs you mention a specific sisters of mercy song yeah the sisters i love that um i'm a huge i'm a huge sisters of mercy fan i feel like that is not something that's reflected in the music that we make at least not on this record maybe (laughs) one day um but uh yeah yeah that was that was uh that like the the yeah the thing i i referenced the um the 12 inch mix of vision thing which is actually interestingly is related because the it is not officially titled the 12 inch mix it is the canadian club classic Mm. uh, i believe is the the title of that mix funny yeah at that time i feel like look it's either if it's if it's this canadian club mix or shep pettibone mix it's gonna be good (laughs) from that um i actually found that album on cd during the quarantine i was putting together like a paranormal themed radio show and i found that in a goodwill and man that is a good album Um, yeah they're like they're weirdly good weirdly consistently like i feel like they're one of those bands that i think it's easy to kind of like to be like oh yeah they they do that song or like you put them in one place but like they've got kind of like they've got an interesting maybe range is the wrong word but like an interesting like 
angle and they kind of like they spread some stuff out one of my favorite things from them is like there's a lot of like bootlegs and and like um like kind of demo quality recordings of them doing covers and there's a lot of weird covers that they do like they do a cover of jolene uh the dolly parton song that's like so good and it's like it's it's like a super super dirty recording like it sounds like you know it was just like done on a tape in a basement but it's great and they have like they have a bunch of them like that it's uh it's yeah there's, there's so much like weird stuff in their catalog well, the goth connection, I think, is clear in your recent videos, since you're driving in a hearse, which I love. <laughs> Man, there was, there was some funny stuff with that. That, was, that shoot was brutal, because um, we were in the desert in the summer. Um, but uh, the, um, the weirdest part of it was um, the, so the guy who owned the hearse was like this lovely dude, just like the nicest guy. Uh, but he, his day job uh, was that he cleaned up crime scenes. Um, like, that was, like, what what he did. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he's just such a character. And also, like, that day when he drove, like, the thing out to the desert, uh, like, you know, he just, like, the director had gotten in touch with him and, like, you know, you're coming for the shoot or whatever. And, like, maybe, like five minutes down the ro- the road there was this huge film set because they were shooting Westworld out like in the desert like right uh. there and he like you know d- like was driving out on the highway kind of lost and they corralled him in there uh, thinking he was there for the shoot and he like went through he like signed in and got a COVID test and stuff and was like on the Westworld <laughs> shoot before he realized like oh no <laughs> like no no I'm I'm looking for like two people standing around like not like a whole <laughs> Wow, wow, they really have a budget for this video. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. <laughs> we have $1.5 million on this indie band's video. They got Evan Rachel Wood? <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, it was, it was real hot out there. Um, and I had like a weird eye infection, which is why I'm wearing sunglasses the whole time. It was, uh, it was, it was, it was a hard day, but uh, I think the result was cool. Wow. And it was neat to get to drive that hearse. 100%. I was coping you you would tour in that. I always thought it'd be great to see a band touring in a hearse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, we could get in touch with the guy. I think uh, he still <laughs> likes our Instagram posts sometimes. <laughs> That's the indication right there. Yeah. <laughs> That's what keeps the relationship strong. But yeah, I want to talk a little bit about Modern Fiction, if that's okay, because I love this album. And one thing I read in the press release was that it takes its title from a university course called Gnosticism and Nihilism in Modern Fiction, which I need you to elaborate on that a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, it was Mm -hmm. it was it was like, I think, a course that made a really big impression on me in university. It was taught by a professor called Greg Henderson, um, who was a uh, a, an old uh, extremely Catholic guy or a guy from an extremely Catholic background. Um, And the stuff we read had kind of reflected that. it was a lot of a lot of Graham Greene. Uh, we read Under the Volcano, um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It was it was an interest. It was an interesting course, and I feel like there were some things that I took from it that kind of affected um, the the yeah influenced the way that I sort of write and think about it. Think about writing, and I, I think like you know you listen to this and it's a lot of fun. We we've been doing this a lot recently. We've been dealing with a lot of fun pop music but as soon as we look into the lyrics we're like oh wait this is actually really sad (laughs) and the 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 general leaning of this album is correct me if i'm wrong but it's society in decline right yeah or yeah i mean i think like it's yeah about the sort of pervasive sense of decline that is like i think not like easy an easy thing to feel um, living in the Western world, I guess, especially over the last, you know, over my adult life. Um, and I think like that, yeah, like that's like kind of a, that's, that was sort of part of like the, the, I guess how I relate it to that course and specifically to Graham Greene, who I think I've talked about in some interviews, but like that he has a way of sort of writing about like human experience in a context where sort of the, a, a broad like it like he'll backdrop a sort of personal issue or like a personal tragedy or collapse with like a large scale human disaster um which like there are instances in which i think it's 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 kind of like problematic in a colonialist way and instances where i think he gets away with it more but like like the end of the affair is like maybe the example of it that i that I, I kind of like the most where it's about like one man's crisis of faith, but it's set like during the blitz. 
Um, mm. And so it's like, like there are these sort of like these two things happening and they like reflect off each other. And I kind of like writing this record during, you know, <laughs> a, a period in which it felt like the world was very much falling apart. That was kind of like a, a thing I was thinking about of like, how can you sort of reflect those two things against each other? Um, and also a thing that I think a lot of the original sort of jangle pop that we're into does, because it's like a lot of those records were made in Britain, especially at a time where, you know, I think it, there was a pervasive sense of sort of like broad societal doom, like, you know, like Mark, like Margaret Thatcher was the prime minister. The economy was falling apart. Like it was it was you know, it was a very hard time for a lot of people. And I think that's like there's a lot of like a lot of that reflected in that music, even as it sounds happy and kind of deals with different stuff. Mm-hmm. You get a lot of that in uh, Second Wave Sky as well. Uh, I was, I got really into the specials like a couple of months ago. I remember telling these guys, I'm like, we need to talk about the specials. But then like, I, I don't remember what happened. We, more important things came up. But it's it's that same sort of thing. Like this is really happy sounding music, but it's about working class uh, just decay. And like the fact that a lot of... Um, working class jobs are are going away and a lot of the venues where these bands used to play are are shuttered thanks to Thatcher but you know I'm kind of veering off into dark territory I, I tend to do this a lot this is like what I do on the show I I bring people toward the brink um so let's see if we can reel back a little bit uh th- this may sound depressing but i i swear we're, we're gonna turn it around i love this line <laughs> in under the rolling moon where you say can't learn to feel better but you're learning to adapt and i love that because it plays directly into what i am studying in school which is cognitive behavioral therapy and it's this idea that we can't control how we feel but we can change our thoughts and behaviors and the hope is that learning to adapt in that way can eventually change our feelings with practice. Do you feel like that is something that you personally relate to? And especially with this idea of writing about like tra- uh, human tragedy uh, mirrored in personal tragedy. Yeah. I, I think, I think it's, it's like a thing that I kind of like figured out about myself at a certain point was sort of like, like I identified the sort of like the ways in which, I am like prone to like anxiety and depression and managed to figure out that like there are things I can do that at least make that like less severe or less like like problematic in my life. It's like, you know, just like sometimes this like sometimes on some level, like a solution to being depressed is just to try really hard not to act like a depressed person. Um, And like, like just like, you know, like try and force yourself to get out of bed and like move around and do the things and, and like, uh, and that like one will kind of guide the other. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I think that's like a very real, a real thing. At least it has been for me. I, I kind of feel that. And I think like over the course of quarantine, I've kind of learned to adapt in ways that I didn't expect before because I always used to think of my depressive episodes as being these all-encompassing things that that uh, define who I am, basically. But now it's more like I can feel one coming on. I'm like, oh boy, here it comes, but it's a wave. You just, you ride it and you know that there's something out the other side. It's just like, what can I do to take care of myself right now while this is happening? And it, I think personally, it's just important not to see things in absolutes and to to realize that even after society crumbles as as uh maybe um graham would say like there's still more that we can glean what do you think about that it's an interesting thing i think like how i, I like i feel like this is a thing that like you know has been talked about a lot and is like is maybe a bit of a, a like a, a like a i don't know like fodder for twitter jokes at this point but it's like i think like <laughs> yeah there were some instructive parts of the pandemic i think like a lot of a lot of people i know and certainly for myself it's like i think i learned a lot of like healthier habits through it and um, because you were kind of forced to like like you said like a, like you know kind of an adapt or die thing it's like it's like all right like this is this is really bad and I can't fix it in the ways I would maybe normally fix it. (laughs) Like by just like, I don't know, like going out and seeing people or like occupying Mm -hmm. myself. So it's like, you got to figure out stuff to do or you can, I think people, a lot of people like had like a moment to sort of sit back and like reassess their priorities and what they wanted to do. I mean, I feel like on some level that's like, you know, as much as, 
the like you get you get all these kind of like this narrative that's being pushed that like people are like not coming to work because the government benefits got too good like people won't take bad jobs anymore i think like that's less it and it's more that people were just like like no no no, i don't want to do that like i'm not willing to just like coast because i've had a chance to sit back and assess and so people are trying to are less willing to take bad jobs because they're trying to do the things they want with their time because they've like on some level like realized that it has that that's a that's possible and b that like that time maybe has more value than it felt like it did before <laughs> because yeah, like yeah. having a period like this happen it's like you just kind of you become acutely aware of 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 the of yeah the fact that like you just lost a year and a half of your life basically <laughs> like there's only so much of it right i think yeah. i think a lot of people had to like sit back and spend more time with themselves than they were used to before and so if you're going to have to do that, you're going to have to figure out what makes you not dislike that time. So, like, what else can you do? As dark as it was, I feel like a lot of people did realize better things are possible, I think. Mm -hmm. You know, as pessimistic as it was. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just feel like I, I feel like there are so many people I know who like, I don't know, like went back to school or like like or figured out a like a new pathway or like or or, or like are pursuing something that like they didn't maybe have like the wherewithal or or didn't feel like they could pursue before mm -hmm. um which is really cool to see it's like i don't know it's like it seems it feels somewhat flippant i guess to like be like yeah but the silver linings of like the horrible thing that killed all the people it's like <laughs> but there are they do exist <laughs> like yeah. Yeah. there are things that are there that i think like you know it's like they have value acceptance is not dismissal i think that that's what people sometimes don't get like just because um i accept that this is happening doesn't mean that I don't recognize that there was tragedy at the same time. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I think just equanimity. Uh, that's something that I think that the pandemic has especially taught me. And equ equanimity is not just being chill with everything that is happening. It is accepting that something is happening. Maybe that there is nothing that you can do about it and that you are going to be okay. All of those mm -hmm. things simultaneously. And I can still sit there and be really freaking sad about it, but know that my life isn't over yet. And I think that that, that that's a that's a good perspective. That's a hard one to learn. Yeah, no, and definitely one I relate to. I think like a, that's a very like powerful feeling that I like that I, I, I gained in some level like during this period of time, I think it's like, it, yeah, you kind of yeah, you find you find a kind of a kind of acceptance in a sort of like, I don't know, like a some some kind of i don't know like almost almost like zen feeling of, of of like when 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 so many things are out of your control it's it's easier to locate that i think exactly yeah people don't realize that zen isn't just like this this little place of peace outside of everything else like zen is just riding the chaos um, I saw this really good video and I forget who did it. I think it might have been like PBS back when they had like a really interesting YouTube channel. But this guy was talking about how bullet hell video games are actually Zen because like in order to play them, like, you know, you're talking about like your Galagas and your your centipede, like where there's just things flying across the screen. And there's a moment where you just kind of space out and like mm -hmm. you you kind of just ride it. And that he was saying is the moment of Zen, like where you are finally like riding the wave you're like uh cora from the legend of cora going through the uh the the, the wind machine or whatever I, I don't know if people get that reference <laughs> <laughs> no it's true I, like i i was uh i actually for years i was a i was a uh i bowled in a league uh and was like really like a fairly serious bowler until they closed down all the bowling alleys in toronto to replace them with condos um but um <laughs> that's like that was a, a thing like that i i would find in that a lot that it's like there's there's a moment of sort of centering yourself and you're just sort of like like you you tend to play the best when you're just sort of like you know what you need to do and you just let it happen mm -hmm. um, like you're just you're riding you're riding this motion that you've repeated a hundred times hundreds and hundreds right, right. of times and it's just like mm -hmm. like you just you stop thinking and you just let it go um yeah. it's a cool feeling it's like dancing it's like dancing you do it best when you're not thinking is that why i can't dance well pedro yep just thinking too hard is there a book to be written, um, Tom, 
like a spinoff, Zen and the Art of uh, Bowling Ball Maintenance. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody's already done it. I'm sure one's been written about golf, which is a similar idea. I think. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Zen and the Art of the Perfect Strike. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. We're patenting this trademark. <laughs> we can't trademark it because the Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance has always been written. But we could just we could just try and see what happened, you know. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Why not? Don't even think about it. <laughs> just, just do it. it. Yeah. Don't think about it. Just do it. Yeah. Just just let it happen. <laughs> Ride the chaos. Let the lawsuits happen. <laughs> well, I would love Which, to keep riding. Well, this... hold on. Yeah. We have to. I just realized. Sorry, Anthony. I just did. We can cut this out, Tom, if you want. But did you? Is the name change have to do with a certain with a dodging some sort of a legal situation? Yeah, it does. I I think I've ta- I think I'm allowed to talk about this. The, 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 like I I should so I if if you don't know, um, Ducks Unlimited, uh, mm. which is what our band name used to be, is a uh, a wetland conservation organization. Yeah. Um, which reads in a certain sense like it sounds like they're you know an environmental group, which I guess they kind of are, but it, it's mostly about hunting. Like they're conserving wetlands so there are more ducks for them to shoot. Oh, <laughs> yeah wow bury the lead this, yeah. <laughs> well like yeah i remember like hearing about that and then like once i saw like who was wearing the hats and the jackets i was like oh oh, oh. oops <laughs> yeah i came in a, i only found that out like after we'd named the band that like i knew i knew that the organization existed but i didn't realize that it was about hunting until like quite a bit later um yeah. but uh yeah that's a uh so so we were named after them when we signed to a label, we consulted a trademark lawyer, uh, and the trademark lawyer was basically like, "Like, no, you guys are really stupid. You've got to change this." Um, but like, <laughs> like the thing that was interesting about they never. I should stress that they they never uh, approached us or or anything. There was no like intimidation or anything like that. And actually, like every time, like we on a couple of occasions would like interact with somebody who works for that organization, and they were always like thrilled about it. Like they thought it was like the funniest thing, and they were really excited. <laughs> um, and the, yeah, the reason we had to change it, this is like long winded, but like the reason we had to change it was not that we couldn't have used it, which we could have. It's that we could have never printed it on anything. Um, so we couldn't sell stuff. So we, we ended up, yeah, a- adjusting it slightly in a way that I thought was kind of funny. So <laughs> worked out. Well, now the, the ducks are more exclusive than they would have been otherwise. There are a limited number of ducks. At least it wasn't like an ugly thing. Like you weren't walking home late at night and you hear like a duck call coming from the bushes, like threatening <laughs> and just suddenly you're surrounded. Yeah, totally. It's like, it's like that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There the could have been a way it would have gone like that movie Southern Comfort, which would have been. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, I, I really wish that we could continue this conversation all afternoon, but uh, we we have places to go and, and people to see. And by that, I mean, I need to go into my living room and see my dog. Uh, but before we go, I want to ha- I want to ask like a little fun question for everyone. We've been on mm. a roll recently with sad bops, and I would classify a lot of the songs on modern fiction as sad bops. So my question for y'all is, what is one of your favorite sad songs to dance to? Ooh. probably love will tear us apart that's probably a good that's just got like it's so cl- it's an obvious one but it's so classic um and just feels so good when it comes on i love me you know nothing breaks like a heart like that's just gr- a great sad song to dance to you took mine pedro sorry i i think probably for me maybe um I think this counts. I think it does. The the New Order song um, about the Falklands War, uh, like 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 it's like it's like I think it's Love Vigilantes. It's it's written from the perspective of a soldier oh, fighting in the Fal- Falklands War, and it's like a very like danceable track with like that's about a premise that doesn't fit with that necessarily. But like yeah, like I think the chorus is like I want to see my family, my wife and right. child yeah. waiting for me. It's like not like the most normally danceable lyric, but I think it kind of works. And he's also dying. In the song, right? Like it's from the perspective of a fallen soldier, right? Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. so no, it totally counts. That's a sad bop for sure, right? That's a tragic a really bop. One. Just banging. Yeah, a, a human horror bop. <laughs> <laughs> Man, is, mine is going to seem trite in comparison. I, I think like uh, there's a few I could choose, but I want to go with Cry Dancing by Noted and Nina Nesbitt because it's very tongue in cheek. And it's pretty pretty literal. It's this uh, this girl goes out to a club 
and um, after like a breakup, and she's like, "I don't, I'm not thinking about you. I'm, I'm just here to have fun." Uh, and then like during the chorus, she's like, "I'm crying, dancing. Thank you for understanding. It's, it's not my heart that's breaking. It's just these shoes are killing me." <laughs> and uh, <laughs> like, it's just like a bunch of that. Where like every time she starts to tear up, she's just like, "I, I swear, every weekend it's allergy season, like that sort of thing." So. She's just lying to herself the whole time, feeling sorry for girls who have issues and just crying her heart out for unrelated reasons. She's not sad. (laughs) That's a good one. I think we have to add Dancing on My Own by Robin to that as well. Oh, very good one. That's a very good one. Forever a classic. That is... I, 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 I have to throw this on the air. I was really not a fan of whoever that dude was who, like, did, like, a, a super sincere... Uh, ballad cover of that song. I'm like, dude, you missed the point of this song a hundred percent. Uh, anyway, all right, we can take that shade, out. Uh, throwing shade to the uh, <laughs> to the nameless human. <laughs> that we if if this gets cut, this is totally fine. But that has just reminded me, and now I have to bring it up so you you guys can see it at some point. There is a like like a really weird series of YouTube videos of the actor Vin Diesel doing like extremely sincere karaoke covers of Rihanna songs in like just a room in his mansion in the middle of the night, possibly drunk, like by himself. And they're, <laughs> they're amazing. They're just so unnerving and strange. And it's like, apparently like he's been interviewed about it and he's just like, yeah, I really like to sing. Like that's like the whole thing. <laughs> but like, like, like what, like watching him do like, yeah, like I, I, I would really recommend it. They're, they're very, very strange videos. The first time I saw one, it was like, you know, it came up on like the auto recommendations thing on YouTube. And I was like, what is this? And then like, it did not disappoint. It, they're like, they're eerie and strange. They're quite incredible. Oh my God. You know God. what? Gotta respect what? it. Let's you get him on the you. show. Yep. Vin, why don't you join this family on the air? <laughs> Sorry, that was a bad joke. Uh, no, it was great. <laughs> I hope you accept. It, it, it worked. It worked. There we go. Well, Tom, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. I, I've got like a completely new perspective on this album that I've already listened to a dozen times. So I'm excited to go back in and listen again. Awesome. Well, yeah, thanks so much for having me on. It was a real fun chat with you guys. Yeah. And listeners, you better stick around because you're getting a little taste of that album right now. Thank you all for listening to Tunes and Tumblers. Tunes and Tumblers is an Atwood Magazine podcast and a member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Be sure to like the show in Atwood on every platform and check out some more of Pantheon's amazing music-based pods. Also, please rate and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us out so much. And if you scroll down to the bottom of the episode description, you'll find a link where you can donate directly to the show. Every dollar helps keep Drew on the Zoom call and out of the bowling alley or wherever the heck it is that he is today. Tunes and Tumblers was produced, as always, by Drew Franzblau. Our theme song is by New New Girlfriend. And without further ado, here is Under the Rolling Moon by Ducks Limited. Cheers. 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 Y'all